Well, uh, I originally, obviously it looks like I'm just doing everything today, but I originally had myself down to host today's service and then we we're going to do a panel on marriages. And, uh, and honestly, something started shifting around uh, probably a month or six weeks ago where Hannah and I were just... Uh, been pushed more and more and more into just believing for the power of the Holy Spirit in every member of our church. And so especially in marriages, there is uh, things happening right now in the life of our church that uh, we can only put down to a demonic attack. And we have to think this way, church. Uh, We were, you know, I'm going to quickly talk about it soon, but we were just, my brother John and I just got back from Timor uh, on the west side of Timor. We just did a three-day trip there. We were literally there for 72 hours to see a church and get to know them and see if we can partner with a C3 church in Kupang in west side of Timor and uh, just beautiful, beautiful people. So I'll tell you about that soon, but hopefully we can start taking teams annually to, to get there and experience that. But uh, as we're going, it, it's... Um, it's just an eye-opening experience that we don't want to put everything down to demonic attack. But we would be fools to not put anything down to demonic attack. And there is a real devil out there. There are real evil spirits. We really are in a spiritual battle for people right now. Uh, it is not about finances. If you're here this morning and you think church is about money, I, I just all I can do is absolutely promise you it, it's not. It is about people getting to heaven for eternity with Jesus Christ. I don't care about one other thing. I want to see people saved and discipled. And when we get that, what we understand is that because Satan can never be called a child of light again, he was once an angel. He was once in heaven with God. And because he tried to take over the throne, he was kicked out of heaven. And because now he hates God, the one way to attack a father is to attack the kids. And so Satan hates you. There is a real devil who hates you. He's stronger than you. He knows the Bible better than you. He knows God better than you. But he doesn't have access to the power of the one true God. We're going to talk on this today. He is not, Satan is not omnipotent. He's not all powerful. Satan is not omnipresent. He is not everywhere at once. He has a lot of demons that are a lot of places at once, but he is not everywhere at once. And he is not omniscient. He does not know what you are thinking. He is not all-knowing, but he does know a lot because he was there before the creation of the world. And so we need to see that there's a real enemy there. Well, then, if he really does hate me, and he really is powerful, then logically he could do a lot of damage to my walk with God. He could do a lot of damage to my mental health. He could do a lot of damage to my marriage, right? If we're not at least aware that he's there. And so something I want to do today instead, we're going to speak, I want to speak for like 12 minutes on ways that Satan attacks you and your marriage. And then we're going to get the worship back up here and we're going to get anyone who married a couple that wants prayer. Uh, We've got a team here. We want to pray during worship. We want to pray protection over your marriage. We want to pray blessing over your marriage and your relationship because we want to fight for marriages. Right now in our culture, there is a fight for marriage. And we need to engage with what the real fight is. The real fight is not people out there screaming at us a different view of marriage. Don't fight them. That's not the fight. Don't pick that fight. Even if they pick it, don't engage in it. That's not your fight. Your fight is prayer. Your fight is standing on the Word of God. Your fight is bringing the power of the Holy Spirit into your life and letting your light shine before men. They can see your good works and give glory to God. Let's not let them see our anger or our awesome points from Wikipedia right now. And so what we're going to engage in is a spiritual battle. 
And so this month, we want to cover all bases. I preached on September 8th on a biblical view of marriage. And then on the 16th, Jay Schroeder, our overseer, preached on like practical help for marriage and, uh, and just some really practical things physical things there, practical things. And then last week we had Carol Comerford speak on emotional health in relationships and marriages. And today we want to speak on spiritual health in a marriage, ways that Satan will attack you and ways that you can uh, fight for your relationships and your marriage. Is that cool? So very quickly about uh, Timor. We were there last week. I've got a bunch of photos and videos, but I won't go through them now for time's sake. Amazing church. Uh, it's a C3. It started four and a half years ago. Right now they have a thousand members already because pastors Charles and Linda are absolutely phenomenal leaders. Uh, he, for seven years, was a missionary to East Timor. That is now Timor Leicester. Started a church planting school there in seven years. They started over a hundred churches out of their church planting school before he got a, a scholarship to go to Singapore and do his Masters in Divinity for four years, and then he felt God call him back to Kupang, where he's from, and start a church. They are incredible. We landed at Saturday lunch. They race us straight to the church. They do a two-hour prayer meeting every single Saturday, and they asked me to preach for an hour. Every time I was preaching for an hour on prayer, and then they do lunch together. Um, Sunday, three services, 7 a.m., 10 a.m., 5 p.m., all filled with people and families, and uh, then Monday night, they, they bought a block of land they're going to build on the next few years. We had 400 people under tents with bands and, and doing an outreach service, and every every service, dozens of people on the altar call crying out for God, which was just such a blessing, an incredible opportunity. And then Tuesday morning, uh, there's photos of me and like, I've got a white robe on to do baptisms in a water park. And they hired a, a public water park and we did them there and then, which was amazing. I was joking, saying I, was, I wanted to just push people down the slide, baptize them that way, but they didn't want to do it anyway. That's what I would do, but all good. And so uh, we're sitting there with people who have literally, we had seven people, one converted from uh, Islam, and so obviously cut off from community and family right now, but just weeping, like so in love with Jesus. John and I were so impacted. This woman was just so, so in love with God. Uh, a woman who had been a lesbian, and she received the gospel at a youth camp, and she's just now so in love with God, doing amazing things, and God's just blessing them so much. Their, their church is really impacting the community in a amazing ways. It's, it's, uh, it's phenomenal how much love comes out of that church and how the community feels so blessed by them. And so straight after baptisms, we jumped on a plane and came back. And so hopefully uh, every year or so we'll be able to do a trip there. And I think it's great for every single Christian at some point to do a short-term missions trip overseas to a third world nation to just see the power of the Holy Spirit when you don't have stuff and uh, you've got God and still what God does in that environment our, John and I were more blessed than them just being there. And so uh, we'll, we'll partner with them and see some cool things happen. Um, coming into now, all right, this morning. I was reading this week and there's a, an author called Tim Mulehoff. And he is uh, a lecturer and things like that. And he's written some books on spiritual warfare and, and marriages. And he, he read 40 books on spiritual warfare. And he summarized the five common things that are in every book. And, and four of them, I think, really relate well to helping us in our marriages and four things that Satan will attack us in, in our marriages and relationships. And if I'm honest, they're not the four I would have picked if I just sat down with a book and someone said, do you want to write four things to speak about how Satan will attack marriage? I would, you know, lust or financial disagreements or this or that. I would have thought those things, but uh, they're, they're not that as much. And so the first thing, before we even get into point number one, though, the first thing I need us to get, once again, just a reminder, Satan is attacking your marriage. Okay? That's not to bring fear into you. That's just to make you aware of it. 
And, and if you're a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian right now, I would wholeheartedly expect and, and beg you, beseech you, pray often for your marriage, for your relationship. If you're single, pray for your future spouse or for, for God to do a wonderful work in your heart in this time. Let's be people of prayer. Amen? Fantastic. All right. Point number one. I didn't uh, see it coming, but number one, the way that Satan attacks you is, is inappropriate anger. Right? All the husbands went, uh-oh. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 to 32. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, loud quarreling, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Inappropriate anger is a way that Satan attacks our marriages. It's a key way that Satan attacks us. Once again, if you're single today, this is about spiritual warfare as a blanket, and I'm just going to focus it in on marriages, but you can most definitely take these points as a way Satan will attack you and what's going on in your friendships and relationships and things going on in your world. Inappropriate anger. It says there, be angry, but don't sin. I've never seen that. Have you seen that? Be angry, but don't sin. There is a way of being angry. Anger is an emotion, and it would be foolish of us to stand up here and say, hey, never be angry in your life. It's an emotion that we do experience at times. What it is, is is channeling and understanding and being on top of that anger. See, Jesus got angry. When they were selling things in the temple, he, he, he made a whip for crying out loud. I don't know how long that would take me, but that's a long time to calm down. And he kept his anger. He went in and started whipping people. Like, like people get annoyed at me if I raise my voice. The, the dude whipped people, flipped tables over. And he's like, you've turned my house into a den of thieves. As scripture, as scripture said, zeal for your house consumes me. He said, my house is meant to be a house of prayer. See, Jesus got angry, but it was a righteous anger, Right? And so you can have a righteous anger. If, I remember um, Pastor Fergus McIntyre preaching on this once that his, his wife would constantly get migraines. And so he got so angry, he went into prayer and fasting until they broke and never came back. See, there's a righteous anger that you are called to. And so let's not say don't ever get angry. I'm not asking you to be a kind of a monk or a hippie or something like that. It's just like, hey, man, I'm always happy. Like, peace to the world. You know what I mean? Like, I've never been angry a day in my life. Like, God bless people like that. Caleb Ginnery, I love you with all my heart. I've never seen him even frustrated. He's like, oh, there's so much traffic right now. How good's God? Okay, I'm, I'm not asking you to be that, but I feel like I got his frustration. I'm like, I got a double portion somehow. But well, we're not saying don't ever get frustrated. But what it is, it's, hey, let's, let's be aware of it. Because here's what happens. I go to work. What I've found, this is just my opinion. This is an opinion piece right now. I feel like the the most common person to to cop your frustration and your anger is your spouse or your leader. Because here's what happens. I go to work and my boss is just grinding my gears and things like, I'm like, oh, but I can't yell at my boss. Otherwise, I'll get fired. So I bottle it up. I'm in the car and I get frustrated and then they zoom off and now I can't let it out. And it's just bottling up. I come home and, 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 you know, on the way there and my financial situation is not where I want it to be and it bottling up and the, the debt is the bill. People, they're calling me and it's, it's bottling. I can't let it out anywhere. And if I'm not intelligent enough, what I do then is I just see Han and she left a dirty cup in the sink. I'm like, oh, you always do this. What is wrong with you? And because subconsciously what I've told myself is we're married. She's not going anywhere. 
Seriously, this is a weakness. This is what happens when people don't think this way. My boss will fire me and won't. So I'll just yell at her. And we let it out. And what happens is if she goes, okay, well, I, I don't want to get back. I'll just, I'll just appease her. I'll just walk away. That's now allowing it. And so now what's created in my brain is every time the world frustrates me, I can empty it on my wife. And it just keeps going like this. And now that, say it's a level three I've just done, well, next time my world gets to level five, I'm just going to do it again. I'm going to push the boundaries again. If she says nothing, it's allowed it. It's going to keep going. It's going to keep going. See what inappropriate anger looks like compared to righteous anger? Suddenly over every little thing, it's like, oh, man. Like the other day, she was, we made coffee and she had a cup and a half. I only had a cup. Like everything ticks you off. Left dishes everywhere. Like I swear I did two nappies yesterday for Abel. You didn't do any. Everything is annoying. Like you picked the TV show last night. Like little petty things start to annoy you. And unless you're thinking, oh, hang on a second. Hang on a second. What am I doing? What am I doing? Uh, this isn't okay. This is inappropriate anger. But she's allowing it. So I'm just going to keep doing it because no one's told me it's wrong. Hey, guys, it's not okay. Be angry and do not sin. In no way, shape or form is me venting and pouring out my garbage on my wife, not sinning. That's a sin. All my kids, spot on. They kind of deserve but and you get, yeah, <laughs> They don't deserve But here's this inappropriate anger now that's just not tamed and not questioned and not called into accountability. And so it just keeps happening. And now it's over little things. And we don't see that. That's a way that Satan attacks us. Everything ticks me off. Everything is annoying me. Oh man, there's not even enough milk for my breakfast anymore. Or the toast is out. I just felt like toast. Everything annoys us. So look at this verse. I love this. It's for people like me who don't get things the first time. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, loud quarreling, evil speaking, and all malice be put away. How many words does he use just to describe anger? <laughs> it's all anger. Do you know what I mean? Wrath, anger, bitterness, loud quarreling, evil speaking, malice. I'm like, that's like the same thing. Paul, you just really want me to get that at the point, don't you? You really want me to understand what you're saying. He's like, don't be angry at your spouse or people over little things. He's like, put it away. That's not of God. We need to see that there's a righteous anger. Cool. Hey, if things are going wrong in your world, get angry at the devil. Do it. And get angry. There are things going on right now in church. Once again, I can only put down to demonic attacks. So in, at the end of October, we're doing a five-day prayer. It's not a church-wide prayer and fast. We're going to do the 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. prayers. Remember how I said we're going to do them three times a year? That's at the end of October, start of November, leading into Community Day. And I feel God calling me to do a fast. I'm going to do a fast in that time because there are things here that need to be broken. And I need to get really ticked off at what Satan is trying to do in our people and in our church and in our community. That isn't righteous anger. I'm not going to let all these little things build up in me until I pour it out on my wife and get frustrated at her at nighttime and then sit there in silence watching a movie. Do you see what I'm saying? Channel it to God. Channel it to a righteous anger. We need to learn to address when these things are happening and how they can just tear marriages apart, right? You've seen that anger just tear people apart because they don't challenge it. They just keep doing it. We need to question those things. Second way, I'll rush through these next few. Second way is inappropriate fear. Now, now fear can be a normal thing, but inappropriate fear is like um, we're doomed. Do you know what I mean? There's a, 
there's a crippling fear that comes on us sometimes like we're just never going to get out of this debt we're never going to pay these bills off you you might lose your job and that's our one income and what are we going to do then how are we going to pay the mortgage how are we going to do things and oh i can't let my spouse go out there surely they're going to you know meet someone else and surely there's they're going to leave me and surely they're going to you know hook up with them and or have an affair or i I can't travel or surely something will happen or i can't let my kids go to kindy surely you know what if something a thing happens to them while they're away from me and see this like There's a difference to being afraid and then there's like a crippling anxiety kind of fear. And this is actually a way Satan will attack you. Like I said at the start, you didn't expect it, did you? This is a way Satan will attack you. And he'll actually attack marriages this way. Because the one thing that's needed for a marriage to go stronger is trust. And when there is an obsessive fear coming into one of the spouses, what that fear does is brings doubt. Fear is doubt. I doubt that we'll have enough money. I don't believe we'll be safe. I don't believe we'll be okay in that situation. I don't believe you'll stay faithful to me while you're away on that trip. It's fear. It kills trust. And so this is one of the ways Satan wants to attack your marriage. So we're going to stand on the Word of God. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. We need to have faith in every single part of our marriage. Third thing is an inappropriate view of yourself. I remember reading once, I can't remember the uh, psychologist's name, but he said that uh, guilt says, I have done something wrong. Shame says, I am a bad person. See the difference there. Guilt says, I've done something bad. Shame says, I am a bad person. There's a massive difference there. An inappropriate view of yourself is that shame that just stays with you like, I'm such a horrible person. How could I do that? I'm awful. No, how could anyone love me anymore? How could, how could they forgive me? How could it be okay? How can anyone uh, be friends with me anymore? What, I, I, no one wants to invite me over to their house for dinner. No one wants to be hanging out with me anymore. I'll never find someone. I'm awful. See how Satan attacks your view? See, we need to see that Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, let us make man in our image, right? That's why every single human was created in God's image. Sin destroyed that. Through Jesus Christ, we have a new creation right? We have a new identity. You with me? And that new image is in the image of Jesus. Again, when God looks at us, he calls us kids. When Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness, the first thing he did, if you are the son of God, what he wants to do is test your identity in God. I need us to get that. Satan wants to test your identity in God. How many people know right now? I should have said this at the start. Okay. If Satan, if Satan just appeared to you, he's like, hey, I'm go, I hate you, and I'm going to attack your mental state, I'm going to attack your marriage, I'm going to attack your kids. Every one of us, I think, would get so annoyed at him, we would fight however it was needed. So you need to see that Satan's too smart for that. He's not going to appear and tell you these things. What Satan does is plant thoughts in your head. He cannot see what you're thinking, but he can plant thoughts in your head. Pastor Chris teaches on this. Most people believe that the third temptation says he took Jesus up to a high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world. Obviously, there's no mountain in the world. You can see all the kingdoms of the world. Unless we're talking about like a couple of Burger Kings. Like there's not much else you can see from one mountain. And so it was a mental battle. 
It was a mental mountain, seeing the mental kingdoms of the world, saying, if you bow down to me, I'll give them all to you. Satan is attacking your thoughts. It's a battlefield of the mind. And so once again, he's not appearing going, I'm going to attack you. I hate you. He's putting thoughts in your head like, remember when you did that? You've already asked forgiveness for that. God can't forgive you again. Man, remember when, remember when you said you were going to call that person? You didn't. They don't even like you anymore. See, they don't want to hang out with you anymore. Remember when, remember when you, you went to that church and then you went away and now they stopped calling you and, and the pastor didn't say hi as you were walking in or bye when you were leaving? Like, he doesn't even like you. He doesn't care for you. And Satan's goal is to put thoughts in your head. He cannot see what you're thinking, but he can put thoughts in your head. That's why Ephesians 6 says, put on the helmet of salvation. Why? Because I'm protected by the salvation of God. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says, take every thought captive and line it up against the Word of God. I, I need you to get how often I am attacked mentally by Satan with demonic thoughts going on not good enough for this or temptation or things that are happening right now i have to frequently go i do not want to be the pastor but god has called me to be the pastor i didn't force myself into this position god wants me to do this so therefore he's going to work through me i have the best wife in the world i have the best kids in the world i love my life i have to speak out god's truth because you're getting thoughts contrary to god's truth and so you are going to get attacked with thoughts about yourself constantly, constantly, these demonic thoughts going in. That's why Romans chapter 12, verse 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you want a complete transformation? Do you want to be a completely new you? Change the way you think. How wild is that? Because sometimes we get these thoughts, we entertain it. Yeah, maybe they don't like me. Maybe I'm not good enough for that. Maybe, maybe my spouse, we are falling apart. Maybe we married the wrong person. Maybe we did. They are demonic thoughts. Uh, don't entertain that garbage. That, if something makes me want to swear over the microphone, that's it. Like, that is Satan winning. Because we're not identifying how he attacks us. He's not going to just pop up and say, let's fight. This is what he does. He's a coward, friends. He is a coward. He won't even show himself. Just these thoughts. He wants you to hate yourself. He wants you to think you're not good enough. And the last thing I'll finish with this, inappropriate view of God. Satan wants you to hate God. Recently, there have been two uh, fairly popular, whatever the word is, famous Christians who renounced Christianity. I don't see it as a massive thing. Out of a couple of billion Christians in the world, there are only two. However, they had a little bit of influence. and People are like, what? Why? What's going on there? And when you look at some things they're saying or some papers they're releasing, the thing that comes out really is they question something they shouldn't have. You can question a lot about God. You can question a lot about the Bible. I want you to engage in that to get your own revelations. Trust me, the one thing, don't question that Jesus is the one true God. I just don't do it. That's, that's the bit we live by faith and not by sight. That's the bit you were saved by grace through faith. You can never work out Jesus. You will never find a physical Jesus. It's, it's a faith relationship. And the moment you question that, everything's on the rocks. Everything is up for, it's like the anchor's gone. The boat's going to drift wherever it wants to now, wherever the world tells it to drift. Don't question God's goodness. Don't question that God loves you. Don't question that God's for you. I love what Pastor Simon McIntyre said. He's a, he helped start our movement. He's been Pastor Phil's best friend for like 50 years. His wife passed away from cancer. They've seen so many healings and miracles in their church. His wife 
passed away from cancer and his statement was, God is always good, but he's not always nice. What does he mean by that? God's always good. He might not do things exactly how you want them to be done when you want them done, but he's always for you. He's always good. He always loves you. The moment death becomes the enemy, we lose power in the cross. We need to see that when people make it to heaven, there's no greater victory in the world, to be honest. So they might be a bit shorter than we want. I know I want to live life with people and have a great life. But if I know someone's in heaven, it's a celebration. That's a party right there. And so the moment you start to question God's goodness, you need to come back to the Word of God. Take every thought captive and line it up against the Word of God. So what scripture are we going to stand on? Romans 8. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No! Get it? Hard times does not mean God doesn't love you. Hard times does not mean God's abandoned you. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced, I beg you to get convinced of this too. If there's one thing that's like an anchor, get this convinced. What convinced is no YouTube clip or really awesome Wikipedia page or a really cool person can talk you out of it. This is the one thing you want to be convinced about. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Death, nor life, angels, nor demons, nor fears for today, nor worries about tomorrow. Catch this, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. We're going to go through valleys. Your marriage is going to go through ups and downs. Your, your relationship with God will go through ups and downs. Hear me now. God is good. He loves you. He's for you. He's with you. He wants you to grow. He wants you to go from strength to strength. Amen.